Welcome in, everyone, to the first ever edition of Coach Time with John Lyons. I'm your host, John Lyons, and I'm really excited about this podcast. It's my second podcast for the Believe Network, my first one of Coach Time. And what we're going to do with this podcast is something that I really don't think you're going to hear other places. We're going to talk about the big events and the big games from the NBA, NHL, MLB, and especially the NFL, maybe sprinkle some other sports in there. But I'm going to do it through a lens that maybe you're not used to because I've spent years as a media member. I've also spent years as a college football coach. And I'm going to bring both of those perspectives together to give you what you need to know about the big trades, about the big moves, about the big games, and everything you want to know about your team. So stick with me here on this. I'm going to have new episodes every Thursday. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be bringing guests in as well. And when I have guests on, if you have questions or even a segment that I don't have guests on, any questions, I'm always happy to answer them. Feel free to send them to me on Twitter at the real John Lyons. And with this podcast, I mean, I'm going to start right off with the Super Bowl here. And to me, this is a Super Bowl that I felt going in was going to be a really close game. It ended up being a really close game. And not just a really close game, but I thought an exciting game start to finish. So look, I know the Super Bowl was a few days ago. I'm not going to give you a blow-by-blow blow review. I am going to point out a few things that, from my coaching perspective, I think really made a difference in the game. Right, Number one, both teams come out right away and score 7-7. But even though it was 7-7, I felt early on that the Eagles had control of the game. And keep that in mind as we go. Then the Eagles get up 14-7. Nick Bolton has that huge fumble recover, recovery for a touchdown to make it 14 to 14. Even still, though, feel like the Eagles are in control. Chiefs miss a field goal. Eagles get up 24 to 14 at halftime. I thought the Chiefs did a really poor job managing that end of the first half. Mahomes tweaks his ankle injury right before halftime as well. So Chiefs are going into halftime down 10, and they're not looking great. And this, to me, is where the Chiefs separated themselves as the best team in the NFL. And it was really about a 20-minute span from the end of halftime until the fourth quarter. And why do I say that? And 20 minutes of game time, of course. Well, a lot of teams would go into the fourth quarter of the Super Bowl down 10, and they wouldn't recover. Go, going into this game, teams with a 10-point or more lead at halftime were 26-1 and in the Super Bowl. The only loss was the Falcons in 2016. So for the Chiefs to make it two losses out of 28 times for a team that had a 10-point or more lead in the second half of the Super Bowl, they were going to have to lean on their best. And that's Andy Reid. That's Patrick Mahomes. And they did exactly that. But they also got some key contributions for some other places. Now, the first step to it was Mahomes in the offense driving down the field early in the second half, scoring a touchdown to make it 24-21. I thought that was huge because not only was it a statement that they were coming out swinging, coming out ready to win the game and try to get back in it in order to win it, but it gave them that confidence. Not just, hey, we're here and we're going to come after you, but no, we can do it too, right? The confidence level was there. So they score, the Eagles come back, and the Eagles have a 17-play drive. Now, in the NFL and really any level of football, a 17-play drive is absolutely massive. I mean, it's the point where the defense is exhausted. The other offense has been completely off the field. And to me, the key moment in the game, and everybody points to the holding call, and I get it. I know that was at the end. It helped set up the winning field goal. Mahomes' 26-yard run, which I'll get to as well. But I think the key moment in the game, which is really underrated here, the Eagles only got a field goal out of that 17-play drive. For the Chiefs' defense to hold the Eagles to a field goal there, instead of being 31-21 after a 17-plus play drive where the Chiefs are exhausted and now down by 10 again, 
It's 27-21, and the Chiefs, look, it was a 17-play drive, but they had a stand at the end. They held the field goal. So it's 27-21, and the Chiefs go right down the field and score. Now it's 28-27. They have the lead for the first time in the game. They score again to make it 35-27, and even though the Eagles battled back and tied it at 35, it felt like once that stop happened, the Chiefs had control of the game because all they needed was one touchdown to take the lead. They scored two, took an eight-point lead, and then it was on the Eagles to battle back. And the Eagles spent a lot of energy battling back only to give the ball back to the Chiefs in the end for that final drive. So I think the key moment in the game was that sequence of a 17-play drive ended by a field goal instead of a touchdown. I think that completely swung the game, put the momentum and the control of the game in the Chiefs' favor. But it didn't all end there. Chiefs have to go down. And look, the Chiefs, we got to talk about their red zone plays. The way they dialed that up using those fake motions, and when I say fake motions, what I mean is earlier in the game, the Chiefs had used jet sweeps and motions across the formation, and they saw that the Eagles would rotate their coverage. You know, One corner might rotate up to safety. A safety would come down to compensate for that, but they would rotate guys. So what did the Chiefs do on their final two touchdowns of the second half? They had a receiver run a few steps in like he was in motion. The Eagles started to rotate. Receiver stopped. Boom, he's wide open. I thought it was a brilliant design. They did it to the right side of the formation with Kadarius Toney, to the left side of the formation on the next drive with Sky Moore, and it was two easy touchdowns. And to me, look, Patrick Mahomes is the engine that make, makes the Chiefs go. That was all coaching and Andy Reid. What a schematic job by him to get both of those guys completely wide open for key touchdowns. And let's not forget that one of those touchdowns was set up by a 65-yard punt return by Kadarius Toney. Tony, a guy that... You know, he goes to the Giants his rookie year. Things just don't really work out there. Comes to the Chiefs, works, fits in, and he made some huge plays. He had a couple big catches in the AFC Championship game before he had to leave with injury. He had that huge punt return. He also had a, a touchdown catch in the Super Bowl. So I know the Chiefs traded Tyreek Hill away, and they had McCole Hardman. Isaiah Pacheco had a great year, kind of filling that offensive void overall. But Kadarius Tony's a great talent, and the Chiefs might really, if they can keep him on track and get much more out of him than the Giants did over the long haul, they're going to be in great shape at the receiver position. They still might add there, but I'll get to that later. So the Chiefs go up 30, excuse me, 35-27. Credit to the Eagles. They go right down the field, tie it up. Jalen Hurts has the two-point conversion. And then that final drive by the Chiefs. And look, I know everyone points to the holding call, which, by the way, was the right call. And I know we don't like it, and we know we hate that a Super Bowl has to end that way. But you know what? When you grab a guy's jersey and you pull it, and it's to the point where it's kind of obvious, especially when you're looking from the field angle, well, then it's a holding penalty, and too bad whenever it's called. It was holding. But before we even get there, I think Patrick Mahomes' 26-yard run on a bad ankle was just, I mean, it's another little piece of why he's the best player in the NFL. Because there's a lot of guys, first of all, that can't make that 26-yard run, period. But even of the guys that can, how many with a high ankle sprain late in the Super Bowl after having tweaked it late in the first half of the Super Bowl would be able to pull off that run for that huge 26-yard game? Because, yeah, the holding penalty allowed them to run clock, but it was that 26-yard run that got them into field goal range. Without that, they're still not even in field goal range yet. So I thought that play was huge. And then, of course, the holding penalty, which, sorry, Eagles fans, it was the right call. And I wouldn't like it, too, if it was my team, but it was the right call. Chiefs kick the field goal and win. So to me, look, this was a great game. I think it swung on the Eagles only getting a field goal out of that 17-play drive. 
And then I think Mahomes' 26-yard run, and then, of course, the holding penalty. But if you want to point to three moments where the game really swung in the Chiefs' favor, I think it's those three moments. And, of course, honorable mention to Nick Bolton's fumble return and Kadarius Tony's punt return. Two huge non-offensive plays. I mean, this was a Super Bowl that 73 points were scored, and it was two huge non-offensive plays that also make a difference. But those are my three. So now what I want to get to next. Game's over. Chiefs win again. It's Mahomes' second Super Bowl. Now, look, he's only 27 years old. So a lot of people are going to think what I'm going to say is premature. He Patrick Mahomes is a top five quarterback of all time. Yes, I know he's 27. Yes, I know he's only been in the league for five years. Let's talk about those five years, though. He's gone to five AFC championship games. He's gone to three Super Bowls. He's won two Super Bowls. He's one of only three players in NFL history to be a multi-time regular season and multi-time Super Bowl MVP. The other two guys, Tom Brady and Joe Montana. So right now, when I think of my top five quarterbacks, Tom Brady's far and away number one. And frankly, I don't think Mahomes ever is going to catch him. I know he's probably got 15 years left to play. I don't think he's ever going to catch Tom Brady. Number two, I have Montana. And I know Montana's numbers overall might look a little pedestrian in the grand scheme of inflated offenses today. But when Montana retired, he was fourth in passing yards, fourth in passing TDs, third in completions, and second in passer rating. So he's at two. But let's look at Mahomes. Okay, Mahomes has 24,000 yards, 192 touchdowns. He's got a 66.3 completion percentage, which is 10th all time. Two Super Bowls, two Super Bowl MVPs, multiple regular season MVPs. He's already got 1,500 rushing yards and 12 rushing touchdowns. And his quarterback rating over his career of 105.7 is the best all time. Again, I know it's a little different today. I have him at five. And I have Brady, I have Montana, I have Peyton Manning, and I have John Elway. And look, him being five at 27 is amazing. Don't get me wrong. He's still got miles to go if he is going to get to a top three all-time. I think he can get by Elway in a few years. Elway has 56,000 passing yards. He's got 300 TDs, but his completion percentage is only 56.9. He does have 3,400 rushing yards. John Elway one of the, the true dual threat quarterback before you had Josh Allen, before you had Mike Vick, before you had Donovan McNabb. He was a true dual threat quarterback in John Elway. So I think maybe Mahomes can get by him in the next few years, but to get by Peyton Manning with 71,000 passing yards, two Super Bowls, 539 TDs, he's got a ways to go. So yes, Patrick Mahomes is a top five quarterback all time. I have him at number five. Again, one of only three guys to be a multiple Super Bowl and regular season MVP. Other two guys, Tom Brady, Joe Montana. In five years, 24,000 passing yards, 192 touchdowns. He's averaging 4,800 passing yards a year. And I think 33 touchdowns a year. I mean, I know the rules are more conducive to passing now, and they've added a 17th game, but that's ridiculous. And his 105.7 passer rating is the best all time. So, yes, there's been a lot of great quarterbacks, Hall of Famers. If I'm building a franchise and I can pick any quarterback I want, right now he's fifth on my list of anybody ever to play. And I think he's only going to be able to climb higher. I think one's out of reach. Two is probably in play and three is in play. Four, I think he gets by the time he's 30, 31. We'll be right back here on Coach Time after a quick word from our sponsors. I'm John Lyons, your host. Stay tuned after this. Welcome back into Coach Time. Thank you for that word from our sponsors. I'm John Lyons, your host, of coach time our first ever episode we just broke down the super bowl and i told you why patrick mahomes is a top five quarterback of all time what i want to do now 
is talk about where do the Eagles and the Chiefs go from here? And I think these are two teams that they both went 14 and three. They both were the top seed in their conference. They both were really dominant throughout long stretches of the year. And I think they can both be contenders for a while. However, they're not in exactly the same place. Now, let's start with the Eagles. They have the ninth youngest roster in the NFL, so pretty good. And just think about some of the guys that young players that made huge contributions. Devonta Smith is in his second year. Jalen Hurts is in his third year. A.J. Brown, third year. Dickerson, second year. Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean, not huge contributors yet. They were rookies. I think they will be. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, third year. Hassan Reddick, I know he's in his sixth year, a little older, but still only in the first year of a three-year contract, which three years, $45 million. That's a bargain. Good young head coach in Nick Sirianni. Good GM in Howie Roseman. I do think they are set up to be a contender for the next several years, four or five years, as long as Jalen Hurts stays as good as he played this year. The problem the Eagles have is they lose both coordinators. And to lose one coordinator, get back to the Super Bowl is not easy. To lose two coordinators and get back to the Super Bowl the next year, it's really, really difficult, almost unheard of. So in order to do that, I think they're going to have to really bring it. Like They're probably going to promote their quarterbacks, coach to offensive coordinator. So at least there's some continuity there. But that's still an adjustment, right, when you go from quarterbacks, coach to coordinator. So I think that is something they're going to have to deal with this year, which might hamper them a little bit. And the other thing is the NFC. So the NFC is more open than the AFC, but they still have two other playoff teams in their division, right? Cowboys are in the divisional round. Giants are in the divisional round. So they have three playoff teams in the NFC East alone. I think the Vikings are going to be better with Brian Flores as defensive coordinator. Detroit is going to be a playoff. And I'm not telling you Detroit is better than Philly, but could they give them a tough matchup? And then the next week, Philly still a little banged up, loses a, a game that, you know, no, maybe this year they wouldn't have lost. It's possible. I think the 49ers with good quarterback play, that NFC championship game would have been a hell of a lot closer if the 49ers had good quarterback play. And it's not the 49ers fault. They were on their third string guy, Brock Purdy. He gets hurt. Then their fourth string guy, Josh Johnson, he gets hurt after a bad fumble. So I don't blame the 49ers for it. It was just the reality. But I think if they had good quarterback play, let's not forget, this was a 7-7 game midway through the second quarter. And then the Eagles scored to go up 14-7. The 49ers had that bad fumble. Eagles score quickly to go up 21-7 at half. But midway through the second quarter, this was a 7-7 game. And I think if the 49ers had good quarterback play, they might have gone into halftime with the lead, not down 21-7. So I think that's another thing. They're going to be really good again. I think the 49ers are going to be good for two or three years. They're going to be right at the top of the NFC. And then we'll kind of see what happens is that roster ages a little. We'll have to see if Trey Lance really is the real deal. But my point is, I think the AFC is much harder than the NFC as a field, but I think there's certain matchups for Philly that are tough. Like having two other playoff teams in your own division is really tough. Having to play the 49ers again, that's really difficult matchup. So I think you combine that with the fact that they had two coordinators leave and Lane Johnson just had surgery. He'll be healthy for next year, but some of those guys on the offensive line are getting a little older I think it might be next year they're a playoff team and a threat to go to the Super Bowl, but I think it's two or three years before they actually get back to the Super Bowl. Now, I wouldn't be shocked if they're in the Super Bowl next year. I just look at the 49ers as a team that I like seeing in the Super Bowl there, and I, nobody from the NFC South. But the 49ers, maybe, I mean, I don't trust the Cowboys, so maybe them, but I, I doubt it. I, I just think what will happen to Philly is they'll play a really, really tough game in the playoffs against 
a Brian Flores, Minnesota Vikings defense, or the Cowboys, and they'll win that game. But then whoever they play the next week will be able to trip them up because I think that because this year, too, let's not forget the Eagles benefited from the easiest strength of schedule by DVOA in the NFL. So that helped them, too. And don't get me wrong. They're a great team. They're going to be a playoff team. I think they're going to win the division again. I just think with the loss of the two coordinators, it's a couple of years before they get back. Let's look at the Chiefs now. So I mentioned the Eagles have the ninth youngest roster in the NFL. The Chiefs have the seventh youngest roster, and they have the best player in the league in Patrick Mahomes. Now, you'd look at their young players that were huge contributors this year. Isaiah Pacheco, rookie, who, by the way, Isaiah Pacheco, he had 830 yards rushing this year. 633 of them were from November 13th to the end of the season. And he was great in the Super Bowl as well. So Isaiah Pacheco, huge contributor, 15 carries, 76 yards, and touchdown in the Super Bowl. Sky Moore, rookie. Creed Humphrey, second year. Kadarius Toney, second year. Brian Cook and Trent McDuffie, two of their starters at defensive back. Rookies. Nick Bolton, big touchdown in the Super Bowl. Good run defender. Got to work on his pass defense a little bit. Only in his second year. So these are all guys who have major contributions to the Chiefs winning a championship. First year, second year. And then, like I said, the best player in the league, best quarterback in the league, Patrick Mahomes, only 27. Yes, is Travis Kelsey getting a little bit older, but he's been relatively healthy in his career. I think he's got several good years left ahead of him. And as the Chiefs go forward, they have extra draft capital after the Tyree Kill trade. I like them being able to, look, they're not going to draft a Hall of Fame all-time tight end maybe right away again but to be able to supplement their offense so it's good enough to still compete for championships over the next several years. And defensively, I mentioned the young guys that contributed. They're only going to get better. I mean, one of my concerns with the Chiefs playing the Eagles in the Super Bowl was those young defensive backs, and they gave up a huge touchdown to A.J. Brown. They weren't great in the game, but they made enough plays and played well enough to at least help the Chiefs win, and I think they're only going to get better. So I think the Chiefs are set up for more success long-term. And let's not forget, Mahomes' contract. Now, it's a massive contract. We know it. But over the next four or five years, as quarterback contracts go to the $50 million a year range, $55 million a year range, and the cap goes up, we're never going to look at Mahomes' contract for half a billion dollars as a bargain. But we are going to look at it as a lot more reasonable in the next few years. Not yet, but in four or five years, we're going to look at that contract as a lot more reasonable. I didn't even mention how good Chris Jones is. I think he's going to stay this good for several more years. So the Chiefs, to me, and they're going to keep Steve Spagnolo as defensive coordinator. Eric Bieniemy is interviewing for some offensive coordinator jobs. We'll see if he sticks around. It's still more Andy Reid's offense than it is Bieniemy's anyway. But I still think they're going to have more coaching continuity there for Kansas City. The only problem with KC is the field in the AFC, right? Like Buffalo's a legit Super Bowl contender. Cincinnati is, and both of those teams have beaten the Chiefs at Arrowhead in the past couple of years. So those two teams are legit. Baltimore with a healthy Lamar Jackson is legit. We don't know Cleveland with Deshaun Watson for a year. They could be a legit contender or at least a tough playoff matchup. You got to think Vegas is not going to blow as many leads as they did last year. That's a team with a ton of talent. Again, not quite on the Chiefs' level, but could give them difficult games. I say the same thing about the Chargers. Watch out for the Jaguars. That was a one-possession game. At the end, it was a 10-point game in the second half. If Trevor Lawrence takes another step forward, they have a lot of talent there too. All of a sudden, 
they might be a legit contender too. And who knows if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets or Bill O'Brien magically fixes all the Patriots problems, they'll be tougher too. Again, I think the Chiefs are better than all these teams, but I think the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs are very close. And I think the other teams I mentioned are good enough that could they give the Chiefs a game, wear the Chiefs down for a future loss, like I mentioned with the Eagles? Could they sneak up and beat the Chiefs in a divisional round game? Yeah, maybe. Like, I think they're good enough. Now, again, I think the Chiefs are better, but they're good enough. So I like the Chiefs better to contend long-term because of their roster, the continuity of coordinators, and all the young players that contributed. But I have to say, they do have a tougher field. So that's where the Chiefs and where the Eagles go from here. I've spent the whole show talking about football, but I do want to get to the NBA. It is the All-Star break. And look, we're two-thirds of the way. The All-Star game is not halfway through the season. We're two-thirds of the way in. And I just want to tell you now, the Kevin Durant trade is a seismic shift in the Western Conference. And look, I've, I've been on Denver all year. Preseason, I predicted Celtics and Denver in the NBA Finals. I still like that Celtics pick. With every day that goes by, I'm starting to lean Phoenix a little bit more and more. I think Phoenix with Durant and Booker and Ayton, that is better than Murray and Jokic and Gordon Porter. Like I... And again, I think it's close. And I think Durant at the height of his powers in the playoffs, a little bit better than Jokic at the height of his powers. Same with Booker and Murray. But I still love Denver. I think that's going to be your Western Conference Finals is Phoenix and Denver. And look, I've been Denver all year. And this week, I've started to lean Phoenix a little bit after this trade and see how the pieces come together. I still want to see him on the court. I'm still picking Denver for right now. But that might change once I really see the full Phoenix Suns on the court when we come out of the all-star break. And I think so far this year, it's been a great NBA season. I think Jason Tatum, Jokic, and Embiid, that's your three guys for MVP. Donovan Mitchell deserves some consideration because Cleveland is legit now fourth in the East. He's really taken them. Like They had a good young group. He's taken them to another level. He's even beaten the Celtics a couple times. But I still think right now, look, the Celtics are the best team in the NBA. Joe Missoula today got the interim coach tag taken off. Congratulations to him. I think he came into a really tough spot. Ime Udoka with the suspension, all that cloud around the Celtics going into training camp. He comes in. He's steady. Now, I know he walks around the sidelines sometimes looking way intense, and he does in his press conferences too, but you know what? He's a steady presence. They've come out. They've taken a step forward from last year. The Malcolm Brogdon addition has been huge. And they've been the best team in the league all year. So no-brainer to me for Joe Mazzola to be added as a full-time head coach of the Celtics, no longer the interim head coach of the Boston Celtics. And we're going to talk more NBA in the future. I just want to throw those couple thoughts in with the All-Star break here. And hopefully it is a really fun All-Star game. But that just about does it for the first ever edition of Coach Time with John Lyons. I'm your host, John Lyons. It was an absolute pleasure today speaking with you. Hopefully you enjoyed my takes. Feel free to give me feedback at the Real John Lions on Twitter. I always love questions. I love feedback. And I'm going to be here every Thursday. So every Thursday, you are going to get new episodes from me. It's going to be NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, whatever's big in the news. I'm going to look at it from my media perspective. I'm going to look at it from my coaching perspective. I'm going to give you the answers that you need every single Thursday. So thank you for listening to this debut episode. And I hope you listen to a lot more in the future.